Let's pray together. I love the Lord for He heard my cry. My voice, He heard my cry for mercy. Because He turned His ear to me, I will call on Him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unweary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Fathers, we want to thank you for this opportunity to come together and to give you worship, to give you praise, to give you honor, to give you all the glory that you deserve, O oh God. I pray right now, God, we pray against every distraction at this moment, especially in the season that we are in, the season of Lent, and the season of pandemic, of us being at home in our own places. I pray, God, that we will find you in our places, O oh Lord, that we'll find you on our knees, that we'll find you in our rooms. So, God, we invite your presence, God, here into this place. We invite your presence here into this service. If your presence is not here with us, everything that we do, God, is in vain, O oh God. So, God, we make it all about you. We cast aside our emotions, our feelings, but we choose today to worship you. We choose today to give you all the glory that you deserve, O oh God. I pray now, God, as you transition to your, to your message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. I pray, God, that you speak through me, through your words of wisdom, O oh God. Lord, speak to us, for God, your servants are listening. For your children are hungry and thirsty. Speak to us, Lord, for we need your word and your water of life. Speak to us, God. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, my pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. So welcome, everyone. Uh, it's good to see everyone once again. I hope you had a, a, a good week, a safe week. And I know that this is our second week of doing our online service. But I pray that we will not lose our zeal and our passion as we are here in our own places, in our own respective places. And I pray that I've been praying for you guys, and I pray for our church, and, and soon it will end. But until then, let's just keep, the, keep up the good fight and support one another, and let's keep going before the Lord. Amen? So let's begin with the message. And today the title is called, How Much Lord? How Much Lord? I actually had many different titles. I didn't know which one to choose, but I came down to this one, How Much Lord? 
But in other titles that I had was how much to follow you, Lord. How much will it cost? How much will it cost to follow you, Lord? How much will it cost, Lord? And the answer to that, how much, Lord, is you're absolutely everything. Everything. How much to follow you, Lord? It's everything. Christianity is not for those who think they are good. I'll say it again. Christianity is not for those who think and who know that they are good. It is for those who have failed miserably. It is for the sick, the broken, and for those who desire and seek help from God. Now, before we go and dive into today's passage, I would like for us to have a full and a fuller understanding of our main character today. Again, this is our last Sunday before we have, we have Palm Sunday leading to Easter, Good Friday and Easter. But let's go ahead and dive into our main character. His name is Matthew. Let's turn to our online neighbors and say, Matthew. Let's text our neighbors and say, Matthew. Matthew. Or in our Kakao group chat. So a few information about Matthew is this. Letter A, he is a Jew. Letter B, he was a tax collector hired by Rome to collect taxes, meaning he was hired by Rome, appointed by Rome, by Rome to collect money from his own people. Letter C, he was a tax collector who took advantage and stole from his own Jewish people. Letter D, he was a tax collector who received commission from the money that he collected. And letter E, he was hated by his own people, by his own Jewish people, by his own people. He was actually known as a traitor to his own people. So the title today, again, how much Lord? Remembering how much Lord, and again, the answer is absolutely everything. You're all, all or nothing. And the title in the passage of Matthew chapter 9, it says the calling of Matthew. Other references of the story of the calling of Matthew, in other words, he's he's also called uh, Levi. The calling of Matthew is found in Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5. But we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 9. Let's go ahead and dive into today's passage. It says this in verse 9, it says, As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And that phrase, got up and followed him, that phrase, got up, reminds me of the prodigal son who realized where he was. He wanted to go back to his father's house. And it says he got up from where he was. He went went back to his home. He He got up from where he was. So again, he told him, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In Luke 5, 32 version, it says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sinners to repentance. 
So here, when Matthew makes a decision, when he made the decision to leave the tax collecting booth from where he was with his pen, as he was collecting money from his own people, when he made that decision to leave the tax collecting booth, he was leaving his security, and he was no longer employed. This week and last week, the world went nuts, especially in America. Uh, this, with the whole unemployment, people not working, businesses being shut down, with the unemployment benefits, the websites not working properly because they had a record-breaking numbers of people applying for the unemployment benefits. And we understand that without a job, without an income, how do we live? How do we live in this life? But in this passage we learn in Matthew 9, Matthew did not even hesitate for a moment. Jesus said, follow me. And it says, Matthew got up and he followed him without any hesitation. The other disciples were fishermen. So they had at least a profession, something that they can go back to if they decided that this is not something that they want. But for Matthew, there was no turning back. It was a decision that is all or nothing, and I will follow you, Jesus, all the way, and there is no turning back from this. And within that, within the knowledge of him, knowing that he's giving up everything that he's familiar with, he gives up everything. He went all, all the way to follow Christ. So the question, what does Matthew receive from Jesus? What does Matthew receive from Jesus? I have two things. Letter A, he receives new life. Please turn to your neighbor and say, new life. New life. If there's no one next to you, just look at the mirror and say, new life. So not only did his circle, group, crew changed, his new life now belonged to the Lord, the Son of God, a.k.a. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. His new life must now be different from his old life. There was a clear difference from his old life, from the way that he used to live, from what he was familiar with, from what he was used to doing. Now he, had to, he was called to live this new life for Christ. He could no longer walk in the path of wickedness for what he was used to. And I've shared my personal story, testimony of, especially when I made a decision and I receive and I follow Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it was a decision whether I choose God or my friendships or my relationships, the people around me. Again, as an only child, friends were everything. But again, it was a decision that I had to choose him or my friends. At the age of 17, just going through that. And it was the greatest and the best decision that I made for all of eternity. Matthew had to make a clear decision. It was all or nothing. Psalm 1 says, and it tells us the blessing of those who walk in God versus blessing the curses of those who walk in darkness. And it says, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. What's the chaff? That chaff is the covering. It has no substance. It blows in the wind. Has no substance. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1, the name of our church, deep roots, rooted in God. The streams of water, the living water, which yields its fruit in season, whose, lo- whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he or she does prospers, not so the wicked. They're like shaft that the wind blows away. There's a clear distinction for those who follow Christ, who are faithful and loyal to him, who obey him, who honor him. Not sacrifice, not just going to church, a checklist, offering, doing things, sacrifice. For he desires mercy, not sacrifice, as he says in verse 13. For Matthew and for us, the call is obedience. And we see here, letter A, he receives new life. Meaning his life will no longer be a curse and destruction. Motivated by greed, his life now, now, once it was motivated by greed, curse and destruction to his own people, now his life will be a blessing to others, for others, no longer walking in the path of evil men. He was called to live a new life in Christ. Once despised and hated by his own people, but now through accepting and following his Lord, Jesus Christ, now accepted into the family of God. Wow, just an amazing story. And that's a story of us, of you and I. Let us be reminded that in Christ, we have received new life, new life, and new life to the full. Not a path of darkness and wickedness, the path that we used to walk in, but now I live in the light through Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Letter B, he receives purpose. As Christians, we have purpose now. Remember, Matthew was really good with his pen, recording, taking money from people. His ability to write, to use his pen, hence the book of Matthew. Matthew was written by Matthew. The story here in chapter 9 is written by Matthew himself, the first gospel among the gospels that we have, the gospel that we have today in our, in the, in our scripture. And we see that he receives purpose. And all of us as human beings, we all have talents that we receive from God. Talents. What are your talents? God-given talents. Maybe in the past we used them for our own glory. But now, through Christ, you have purpose. And now we use them. We use our talents for his purpose and for his glory and for his good. Not for myself. You know, it's, it's, it's sad at times when you hear about artists, like secular artists, they grew up in a Christian home, and they're really good, really talented. And I think to myself, you know, how awesome it would have been if they had used their talents for God. And I still believe it's still never too late until we take our final breath here on earth. But the best time to use our talents is to start young. And to know your talents when you're young. So that you can use your teenage years, your 20s, 
your 30s, 40s, when you're young, when you're young enough, when you're still healthy in your 50s to use it for God. Imagine discovering too late at the age of 60, 70. And it's not too late. It's never too late. But let us use our talents. Let us discover our talents at a younger age so that we can use the rest of our lives. We live one life, one chance for his glory. Again, he receives purpose. So when Matthew said yes to God, when Matthew at this moment in Matthew chapter 9, when he said yes to God, do you think it crossed his mind that one day, that one day that he will write the book of Matthew? I'm pretty sure no. I mean, how insane is that? One day that he will be the one to record the things, everything that was recorded, the act of Christ, everything that he did, and he will be the one to write the book of Matthew in the Gospels. And we see over and over throughout scriptures, even in the story of Joseph, even in the story of Paul, that when he was young, his ability to interpret and understand dreams and have dreams from God, that one day when he was in prison, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, placed in prison for many years, sold into slavery into Egypt by his brothers, that one day, one day, that he was saved, not just his family, but the world, the world that was in famine, seven years of blessing and seven years of famine. Or Paul, his passion and zeal before he met the living Lord, the living Jesus Christ, before the road, the road to Damascus event, before his saving event in his life, that his passion in the past, he used his passion, his talents, and zeal to persecute Christians. He was actually there in the book of Acts when Stephen was, was, was stoned, the first Christian martyr in the, in the first Christian church. And the, after the Damascus event, his conversion, Paul used his passion and zeal no longer to fuel his greed and his evil deeds and his wickedness, to persecute Christians. But all that was pointed in a different direction, a different arrow, to reach the Gentiles, to be the model missionary, the apostle, to reach the Gentiles with the true message of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. So let us not forget, just as Matthew received new life and purpose, you and I, we have received new life and purpose in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let us not forget that. So I have, point num- I have, point- I have three points for you guys. And point number one is this. And before we do each point, let us just write as followers of Christ. As followers of Christ. You could even write as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number one, be ready to abandon your reputation. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, be ready? to abandon your reputation. Be ready to forsake your reputation. Be ready to abandon your reputation, your own reputation. Verse 9, it says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. 
You must be willing to forsake your own reputation today and follow him. Not later, not tomorrow, not when it's comfortable, not when it's convenient for you, not when I want to, not when I am ready, God, but now. When Christ calls you, he calls us now. While we still have breath, we must accept that call. Not tomorrow, not when I finish school, not when I'm done with this project, not when it's convenient for me. But now, right now, right now is the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 2, it says this, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In verse 2, it says, For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now, right now. Not when it's convenient for us. So godly men and women, godly men and women, what are you afraid of? You need to be willing to risk it all. Be willing to risk it all. Be ready to forsake it all. Be ready to throw it all away for the sake of Christ. There's no such thing as being wasted for God. To be wasted for God is the greatest blessing in life. It's the greatest blessing in life. In Luke chapter 14, in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 34, and those who had discipleship, we learn about the cost of being a disciple. Right, that discipleship that we learn is about counting the cost, is knowing what you're signing the dot for, is knowing what you're getting yourself into. Jesus, he doesn't trick us into thinking your life will be a, a, a life of prosperity and things will be a, a full of blessing every time you will not have any hardships. But we need to understand the cost, counting the cost, knowing what you're getting yourself into, knowing what you're signing yourself into. And it says in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 34, it says, it says the title, the cost of being a disciple, it says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me just speaking and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you builds a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and I will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Again, how much? How much, Lord? The answer is everything. Can you give up your everything? Can you? In First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 24, King David says, no, I insist on paying the full price. Full price. 
I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. The worship that you have that costs you nothing has no worth. Your worship, your loyalty to Christ must be your everything. Be ready to abandon your own reputation, your reputation. Number two, be ready to hurt your reputation. Let's turn to our neighbor and say, be ready, be ready to, hurt to hurt your reputation. Your reputation. Let's look at verse 10 through 11. It says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So when Jesus made the decision to go over Matthew's house to have dinner, to have dinner at his house, Jesus was risking, he was hurting his own reputation among all the religious teachers. But again, Jesus, he is the man. He does not care. Jesus has no concern in leaving the 99 to pursue that one individual, for that one individual. And the, question, and, and, and the lesson and the question that we ask, we should ask ourselves, is are you willing to put it all on the line for that one individual, for that one individual in the church, for the person that God has placed in your life? even when they have nothing to offer you in return? Or do you only help those who are popular? Do you only help those who can give you something in return, expecting something for them to do something for you? If I do this, then this person, next time, he better do this for me. You, go, you guys go for a meal. You know, it could be Ronnie, Dan, and Andy. They go for a meal together. And one person pays, and, and then there's not enough change. And it's like, you owe me 75 cents. Make sure you give it to me. You know, and we see that that kind of relationship does not work. It's either you pay for the meal, and, you know, that's, what, that's the best way, right? You go eat, and then order whatever you want. You order. That's, being, that's, that's about having a generous spirit. That's about having a generous mentality. And you don't have to pay me back. You don't need to buy the next meal. Even when they have nothing to offer you in return. Are you willing to put it all on the line for that one individual? Pastors, teachers, leaders, please listen. As a pastor, and I'm speaking for myself, if any of you is in need, if any one of you is in need, I will not hesitate for a moment. If I, I, if I'm, I will, I'll be willing to take a bullet for you. If, I, if I'm not willing to take a bullet for you, to pray for you, to die for you, I'm only playing a game, a role of playing a pastor. When I took the vow to become, during my ordination, to become a reverend, this vow was not a vow to my pension to my security, to my paycheck, to my comfort, to what's comfortable for me. It was a vow to God and to Jesus Christ to die for, my, for the sheep, that for Christ's sheep as he died for us. I'm willing to put it all on the line. And our church, our group, you guys know that I'm willing to put it all on the line for each and every single one of us.
And as I was going over this point, you know, be ready to hurt your reputation. Uh, and as I was listening to uh, the song Mission uh, in Korean, it's called Hamyeong. And, you know, this happens like rarely, uh, not too often, but and, uh, as I was listening and I was just remembering uh, the ordination time and just everything that we, we've gone through as a church, uh, tears just started to fall. And, you know, it's a reminder for me and for us of why we are here today, of why we do what we do. And the call of Matthew is not just a call for this one individual, but it's a call for us, for each and every single one of us, and it's a reminder for us. So I'm going to ask the praise team, if you guys could just help me sing this song, uh, Samyong, and we're going to sing it in English, and afterwards I'm going to read it in Korean, and I would like for us to sing it from our heart and just be reminded of the lyrics. Remember, this was uh, my, my ordination, a song that we did. And I remember our EM, our group, were up there. You guys were singing this. And I was truly touched. I have the video of that. I, I watch it at times. And then I look at it and I see some of the members who used to be there and the relationships that I used to have. And I see the ups and downs that we had as a church, as a ministry, the people that we love, the people that we went on mission trips with. The people that we, you know, we cried with, the people that we supported, the people that we had fellowship with, the people that we dined with, the people we ate with, the houses, the people that we slept over with. And you're reminded that this path is truly a path of all or nothing. That just because your friend that you grew up with in church, they have somehow left the faith or they're no longer going in the church, doesn't mean that you are going to follow in that same path. You go on the path where Christ has called you. You go in the direction where Christ has called you. And you do not waver from that path. You go and you follow Christ. Even if you're the only one by yourself following Him, you go all the way. Count the cost. Count the cost. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It doesn't matter whether you're alone. It doesn't matter whether you're in a crazy storm in your life right now. It doesn't matter whether you're tired and weary. You keep going. And you remember who is in the boat with you, that he is with you in the midst of the storms of your life. And you keep going. Remembering the vow and the mission, the commitment that you made, not just to yourself, not a promise that you made to yourself, but to the Lord, the King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus Christ. Do not forget who you serve. Do not forget who your master is. Do not forget who he is and whose you are and who you are and who you belong to. And with that, let's sing this song together. I will follow Jesus who has walked this road of suffering.
Christ, giving all of me to the lost and her. And I will gladly answer God's call. Here I am, Lord, send me to the world. Father, use me as you Remembering our mission. Remember our call from God. This song, it still resonates in my heart to this day. You know, it stirs a passion in my heart, a reminder, a vow, a song of a vow that I will put it on the line for Jesus Christ, even if that meant, even if that meant that I will hit, take a hit to my reputation. Even if that meant my worldly dreams and my riches will be taken away. Even if it meant that it was going to cost me my popularity, even my life. And as your pastor, I know that I will, I will put it all on the line for you. Because so far I have done so. And you know I have. Our members, we know. Why? Why? Because Christ put it all on the line for me, for us. You gave all to love and make me yours, even death upon a cross. Why would he die for me during the season of Lent? Reflection. Reflect upon the truth of the gospel, of who your God is, of who you serve. He put it all on the line for you. That's why I live this one life. 
I live this one life, one chance that God has given me. I live this one life, not for myself, but for Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I live for him. The one who knows me. The one who created me. That's why it says in John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. That if you belong to the world, that it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I'm reminding you, it's a reminder to us. Scripture is reminding us that you do not belong to the world. So stop trying to fit in like the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, just saying, if, you per- if they persecuted me, what makes you think you won't be persecuted? They will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father. Just saying, if you reject me, then you're rejecting God. Do not reject me, for I am him. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason, John 15. We see here that the Pharisees hated Jesus. The religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, They hated Jesus, and they tried to snare Jesus by asking, why does your teacher, why does your your, your king, your Messiah, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Think about that question for a moment. So much pride in that one question. So much evil in that one question. In this one question alone, it's disgusting. Disgusting. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They think they're somehow elevated above the rest. And their heart, their hearts were full of hate and evil, criticism and judgment. No love of God whatsoever. Not knowing that the Messiah, the King, is right there in front of their eyes. Blinded, not knowing. Matthew, he saw and he knew and he got up. And follow him. These people, individuals, are having the appearance of love. Appearance of love. But their hearts were so full of greed and pride and evil. So full of evil. Be ready to hurt your reputation. Be ready. Be ready to forsake it as Christ did it for us. He went to the sinner's house, Matthew's house, and ate with sinners. And point number three, which leads to our verse 12 and 13, point number three is this, be ready to leave your hospital bed. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, be ready ready. to leave leave your hospital hospital bed. bed. Let's look at verse 12 to 13. Again, the question 
was before the Pharisees are asking, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? In verse 12 and 13, this is that famous line when Jesus responds. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In Luke 5, 32, in the other translation, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We must be ready to be healed in Jesus' name. For he came to heal the sick. That doesn't mean that we need to stay sick. You know, this is not the end for us, for those who are sick. You know, we're not meant to stay in the hospital forever. We've given this analogy. Yes, the church is like the hospital where the sick gather, but you get better. The purpose of the hospital is for you to get better from your sickness. It's to get out of your desert, in the dark places of your mind, when the devil has, been, has consumed your mind with darkness and evil, with depression, with suicide. When we come to church, when we come and worship God, when we hear the word of God, we are liberated through the spirit of Jesus Christ, through the power and the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We are liberated and we are healed from our sicknesses. God did not intend for Christians to stay sick in the hospital forever, to remain in your bed. You must be ready to leave your hospital bed. Get up. Get up and follow him. We're not meant to stay sick in the hospital forever. Joseph was not meant to stay in the, in the prison forever. Moses was not meant to stay in the desert forever. Peter, after he betrayed Jesus and was crucified, Peter wanted to stay in the hospital. In fact, after he betrayed Jesus, after he betrayed him, and after Jesus was crucified, the scripture tells us that he went back to his former life. And what was his former life? He went back to being a fisherman. He says, I'm going out to fish because that's all he knew. That's all he knows. His Messiah, his king is, is gone. And all the disciples follow him. And, and it says that night they caught nothing. And Peter, he felt hopeless and went back to his old life. He went back to his old life. Peter had forgotten his identity. When Jesus said earlier on in Matthew 4, 19, when he was called, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter, he decides to go back to the hospital to where he came from. In the beginning when Jesus called him, he decided to go back to the hospital to admit himself to the hospital from the place where he, where he was used to. The first place when he was lost, scared, he went back to that shame and guilt. He couldn't forgive himself for what he did. He betrayed his living king, his Jesus Christ, his Lord. And he wanted to stay there. He felt he deserved to be where he was. And the devil wants you to stay where you are, broken. It's like that show in HGTV when they take a house and they buy it where it's old and nobody wants it. It's abandoned. They put it in the market and nobody wants to buy 
But Jesus, he's the contractor. He buys the property. And he puts it all new. He renovates it all. And somehow we just want to stay broken to where we are and refuse to move into the new house, to the new place that Christ has brought us to. Peter somehow goes back to the hospital bed. He goes back to what he's familiar with. But Jesus is calling us to leave our hospital bed. Do not go back. You're healed. Why are you going backwards? Why do you choose to go backwards when the only way is forward? If you're going to fall, fall forward. Don't go backwards to your old former way of life, to your old habits, to what was comfortable for you, to what you were used to, to your old relationships, to the junk, the things that will never fill you. The emptiness will leave you more empty than before. Pursue Him. Look to Him and run after Him. Look to Peter as your example here. Look to Jesus as your example. Peter wanted to stay in the hospital when he betrayed Jesus. In his shame and guilt and broken. But in this story we see that Jesus, he reinstates Peter and Jesus, he reinstates us. Jesus reminds Peter of who he is. Sometimes we just need to be reminded to not go backwards, to not admit ourselves in the hospital again. Sometimes that's all we need to be reminded. And the way Jesus reminds him is he has a meal with him. Meal symbolizes peace, that there are no more deaths among us. When you have a meal with someone, when you have a meal with your friend, all the past hurts, all the betrayal and the lies that you have done to each other, it is clean slate, it is no more. And what does Jesus do? He has a meal with him. And Jesus says, when they have finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he asked, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Whenever I read this passage, I think of myself because Jesus, he always restates me no matter where I am, how in the dark place that I, I decide to return to. Jesus here reinstates Peter. He takes him out of his own hospital bed in the place that he wanted to go back to, to what was familiar to him. But Jesus says, follow me. Peter, the life and the plan that you have for yourself is not the life that I have in for you. It's the same plan and the message that he had for Matthew. And it's the same plan and purpose for you and I, for, our, for the listeners, those who are listening. The life that you have for yourself is nothing in comparison to the life that Christ has for us. Jesus reminds him, no longer are you a fisherman. No longer. You do not belong to this world. You belong to me. 
Just like Matthew, you belong to me. But you will be a fisher of men. And fisher of men he was. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I build my church. And Jesus tells him, I tell you the truth, that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Just like us, when we were younger, we did what we wanted. We lived the life that we thought was right to us to pursue my dreams and what was good for me. But Jesus reminds him, but when you are older, when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by Peter, by which Peter would glorify God. What was that? Jesus was telling him what's going to happen to him, and this is actually very sad. He said, Peter, you betray me once, but you will not betray me again. For Peter had learned his lesson. Peter was so faithful to the end that he died upside down, saying that he was unworthy to be crucified the same way as his, as his Lord and Savior. And he died a martyr for the gospel. And then what does Jesus say at the end? Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me is the same thing that Jesus told Matthew. That follow me, that phrase is the same phrase that Jesus is telling us right now where we are. Follow me. No matter what. No matter what you're going through, follow me. Do not forget the vow and the promise. Don't go back to your hospital. Don't go back to where you were once broken, but follow me. God desires to deeply root you in his love during this hospital season of your life, during this Lent season of our lives, during this pandemic season where we are home in our lives. For all the hospital workers, those who are working hard hours, endless nights, we must pray for them. God desires to heal us during this hospital season of our lives. During this Lent season, allow God to pour out His Spirit over you in victory. The only way you will have victory is through Christ, the one who loves you and who died for you, the one who knows you by name. And in closing, going over the points once again, number one, Be ready to abandon your own reputation. Be ready to abandon your reputation. Forsake it. Don't even hold on to it. Number two, be ready to hurt your own reputation as Christ did for us. He gave it all for us, all the way to the cross, to die for us. And number three, Be ready to leave your hospital bed, meaning don't go back to what's familiar to you. Don't go backwards, but fall forward and follow him. Follow him 
with everything that you have. And I'm closing with this passage with our eyes closed. It's a reminder for us. It's found in Ruth chapter 1. Again, this woman, she is a Moabite. She's not part of the Jewish people. And we see in this character, there's Naomi. Naomi loses her husband. And then 10 years later, her two sons, they both die. So she is a widow. And Naomi has two daughter-in-laws. One name is Ruth and the other is Orpah. And within that story, it says, with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and sat out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Meaning Ruth, Naomi. Naomi was ready to go back home. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. Again, go back to Moab. Go back to your family. Go back to what you're used to. Go back to your familiarity. Go back to what's comfortable. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Because she knows that she is in a hopeless situation. She is a widow now, no one to protect her. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to my sons, would you wait until they grow, they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah, the second daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. She left. She went back to Moab. But Ruth, Ruth clung to her. And this is what we must do. Cling to God. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, and this is the famous line. And I pray that we will remember this throughout this week. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. I'll say it again. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be ever so severely, that even if even death separates you and me. Are you willing to follow Christ all the way to death? To the end. To the ends of the earth. As Peter did, as Matthew did, as all the followers and the disciples of Christ did. Or are we just playing games of Christianity? Follow him. Follow him all the way. This will be the best decision and the greatest decision that you'll make for all of eternity. All of eternity. Let us not forget the purpose and the mission of why we have been called. Follow him. Follow him today. Do not turn from him. Can we just close our eyes? And can we just commit our heart? Can we just commit our life? Jesus Christ right now.
Christ is saying to you, follow me. Follow me, my son. Follow me, my daughter. Follow me. Count the cost. Know what you're getting yourself into. Follow me. Be ready to abandon your own reputation. Be ready to hurt your own reputation. Be ready to leave your hospital bed and follow me. Follow me. Let's pray together. Let our prayers be. God, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. God, I will follow you. May your God be my God. Let that be our prayer. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's commit our heart and our life to him. Let's pray to him. Recommit yourself as you're getting ready for Palm Sunday next week. As we're in the season of Lent. Turn to him. Find him while he may be found. Turn to him. For today is the day of salvation. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, we commit our life and our heart to you, oh God. Lord, we are reminded, God, of what the cost is to follow you. There's a cost of my life, of my everything. God, there's a cost of my all. It's all or nothing, oh God. There's no halfway. There's no such thing as being lukewarm, oh God. It's either I'm hot or I'm cold. God, and to follow you with all of my life, and to give it all for you. That even in death, I will follow you. Even in life, I will live for you. Where you take me, where you lead me, I will follow you. Oh God, Jesus, I need you. Speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to us. Speak to your church. Speak to these individuals who are listening today. God, encourage their hearts. God, let them live for you. now to the song that we did and let's just make this our song let's just sing the song mission Samyong to God and let's just recommit our life and be reminded of the vow and the commitment and the call that Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ said to us follow me let us understand what that means let's follow him let's give up our dreams let's give up our everything and pursue him with everything that we have let's sing together
Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth follow me he told him and Matthew got up and followed him father I pray Holy Spirit father I pray that we would know and understand the cost of being a disciple the question how much Lord how much everything 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 all or nothing God even though I may not know what tomorrow may bring I know I know who holds my future I know the one who loved me and gave himself for me the one who was with me in my brokenness in my young age the one who was there for me in my bed when I felt all alone You're the same God that is calling us today. Lord, forgive us for being so distracted with the pursuit of this world, with worldly dreams and material things and the relationships. Let us not forget the cost of being a disciple. There's a cost of everything. Lord, let us have the courage as Matthew did, as Peter did, as each and every single individual in the scripture, Ruth, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, each and every one who pursued you and found you. For those who seek the Lord, we shall find. For he's looking for the true worshipers who will worship him, who will seek him in spirit and truth. God, we pursue today. We give our heart and our life to you, God. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen.